Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra coming up on today's show. Y'all better put some damn respect on nephew Ronnie's name. And if there's supposed to be a surplus in a particular position room, why is there a flyover and flowery today? And last but not least, and for the culture, um, Coco is reclaiming her time. That's all coming up next. It's ATL Day Ones. Let's get it. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. ATL Day Ones is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in 10 minutes, um, there's a Falcons flyover. And he pays what position? Um, I thought we had this situated. We'll talk about that. But first, we got to talk about last night, obviously, the Braves spanked the Rockies. That's not important. We knew that was going down. No, no issue there, T. But the, the thing that is just irking me, like last night, Ronald Acuna out on the field, doing his job, kicking it. Next thing you know, a fan runs up on him. He has the opportunity to run up on him, first of all. Yes. How did he get, you know, he has the opportunity to run up on him. Then, secondly, he actually puts his hands around nephew Ronnie and then they stay on there for quite some time and then you have a security guard come over and put his arms around that person that's trying to put his arms around nephew Ronnie and then another fan runs on the field and Acuna ends up falling on the ground T like my whole thing is like the reason why I'm so upset about this is the fact that we have a guy who is a superstar Yes. Let me first let, let me tell you where it comes from. The, the, the other angle comes from. Mm-hmm. First part of that is him being not being protected by his own team. Because we know that the Marlins were always throwing at this dude. Every like Don Mattingly, like literally said, Yeah, go ahead and hit him. They ain't gonna do nothing about it. And we know how we dealt with that. Now we have a situation where this man literally is being approached with strangers during a game. And being hugged on and talking about they want to take a picture. Like, what the hell is going on, T? Right. In the middle of a game. And I tell you, there's, and we are, of course, journalists at heart. But we also tell you guys that our ATL Day Ones podcast is kind of like the intersection between journalism and fanism, right? <laughs> so, Absolutely. Fandom. Yeah. So, so today, I'm just going to preface by telling you that you're probably going to hear more from Tanitra and Jarvis, the fans, with a little bit of journalism mixed in because as a human, this was utterly unsettling for me to the point where I will honestly say, even with Ronald Acuna Jr. being a superstar, that should not have happened to a Colorado Rocky either. Nobody should have to be put under duress like that. Now, the good thing is I do like one thing that happened and that was Ozzy Albies because think about what you just said. If, And maybe everybody was kind of paying attention to where they, because they were settling in, in the outfield, in in all fairness, settling Mm -hmm. in, in the infield or what have you. But Ozzy saw it and Ozzy started moving over there. And I said to myself, I said, whether you look at the great numbers that he was building up before he went on the IL or not, 
this is why you need Ozzy Albies. He is everything to this team. Yeah. He is good at the plate. He is good Absolutely. at second base. And he is going to make sure you know that's my boy. And you're not about to come out here without me at least trying to get over there and see what's wrong. So shout out to him for that. And of course, you know, when Ronald Acuna Jr. missed the ball in right field, Ozzy was like, my bad. I probably, you know, should have gotten over there a little bit sooner. But I had to just say that. But I agree with you that I don't want the Braves to be looked at because you said it best. There are so many levels to this, so many layers to this. I don't want the yeah. Braves looked at as a team you can just do anything against. I want everybody right. to fear them, and I'm going to take it all the way back. Put some respect you. on it. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's I feel like, and I always take it back to like the super duper old school, probably because I'm a Michael Jordan fan, but I'm like, when Michael Jordan got himself a few goons to be able to respond to the Pistons, all that foolishness stopped. Yep. And that's what everybody on the Braves team is going to have to realize. Unfortunately, everybody's gunning for your superstar. He is the National League MVP. In every way. Bets, but he is the MVP. Yeah. Yeah, come on. But he is also, in a different way, the heart and soul of your team, right? So when you yep. parted ways, and I'm just going to say this out loud. When you parted ways with Freddie Freeman, it was a dawning of a new day. And the Braves were looking like a Ronald Acuna Jr. swing the ring, you know, swinging around, hat to the back, trotting around. Everybody just kicking it, dancing after the game. Right, but what I don't want that to be confused with leaders. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just the, all around there are so many layers to it. But that frustrated me as well. But I do appreciate the fact that Acuna Jr. just kept rolling. You know, he was a little bit scared, rightfully so. Um, but he just kept rolling through and, of course, ends up having a historic game going four for five right there on the cusp of being the first 30, 60 guy ever with the 29 home runs and just and 61 uh, stolen bases now. But, yeah, just continue to be the monster that he is. But I do, like you said, I want somebody to pay for this. So security guards go find a new job. Yeah, and everybody allowed this guy. Yeah, exactly. The people going up and down the stands who could have been close to this dude and you saw him jumping over a fence or however the heck they got out there. Everybody needs to be held accountable. And I want the Braves organization to come out in full force and say, MLB needs to do an investigation and we want everybody who needs to be held accountable for this to be held accountable. Because like you said, the Marlins think they can do whatever to Acuna Jr. with these hit by pitches. You cannot let the whole of baseball think that this is okay. Because it's not. It, it, it's, it's not. And, and and I want people to, to understand where I'm coming from on this, too, uh, from another aspect, another layer, right? Like, I used to work in this world. I used to work in the security world. Like, yes. I've done yes. personal executive protection for, you know, at rappers and all that stuff. I've done it. I've been there. And, like, a, a lot of the times where we run into or you run into issues is people are being lax and take not taking it seriously and not understanding that, hey, like, you are literally – putting your life in danger. And I think that when you have got that lackadaisical things that went down last night, you know, with the uh, two people, three, three fans were allowed to get on the field in the vicinity of a professional baseball player. This is not arena league. This is not soccer. No offense to soccer, but hey, you're not part of the the big dogs. And, And be able to get their hands and wrap their arms around him, that is weird 
T, that is sorriness. Like the MLB should get involved, like you said. I feel like the Braves should come out and, and make a statement. They probably not because that's just how they roll when it comes to Ronald Acuna. I hate to put it like that, put put, put my team on, on, on blast like that, but that's just what it is. That's just how I'm feeling right now because this is just so ridiculous. And I think that to add to that, T, how about that? You you mentioned Mookie Betts earlier. Now they're saying Mookie Betts is doggone in a favor to be the NL MVP. Last night, they were on the road. The Braves were on the road. And the teams, the uh, the fans were chanting MVP, MVP, MVP on the road. So why are we talking about Mookie Betts being yeah. an NFP, NL MVP favorite team? Please help me out here. I'm, I'm almost losing my stuff right now. Right. No, but what an awesome <laughs> point that you make because – this is a league where, yes, the Braves are sexy, but the Dodgers, the Mets, the Yankees, that's a different kind of sexy. Let's just be honest. Yeah, yeah no so, doubt. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Anytime that, you know, I guess larger media, maybe national media, maybe the league itself can kind of shine a light on some of those truly top, top, super top tier franchises, maybe that's what they're going to do. So everybody's waiting, you know, to pounce on it like, ooh, you know, Mookie Betts is white hot, Freddie Freeman is red hot. Cunha is kind of cooling off, so it's easy to just kind of jump on that bandwagon. But yeah. also, it's easy because let's face it, the Dodgers are the type of team that's going to put all of the verbiage out there in the world about how great their 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 player is. They would yeah. also tell you, "You're not doing that in LA." I wish you would try to come on the field and try to tackle Mookie Betts or Freddie Freeman or anybody. And it's on, going man. to be. A, I, they, I really believe. That Magic Johnson's organization is not about, and I know he's only a part ownership, but part owner, but they're not about to have that happen. He's a former player, so he understands. There it is. Yes, yes. Yeah, and yeah, as an owner, yeah. you're not about to let you know yes. certain things happen. You know, when you're yeah. from East Lansing, Michigan. But what we might want to do here with the Braves is, I know you guys, you know, are a little bit of a kind of a peaceful team, a peacemaking, fun-loving team. But I think you guys need to kind of show people. You're not about to stand for this. I kind of see it as I need a little bit of that Austin Riley from the sticks in Mississippi edge. Let me see that. Let me let me get some of that, right? Or Sean and, Murphy country strong to yes, come out of nowhere. Let me see you know what I mean? Like that's why I'm at with it. Michael Harris from the south side all the way to the south side of Atlanta. I need all that too. All somewhere, somehow, I need somebody to make that low-key statement about, you know, whether you just throw a ball somewhere or kick somebody or do, I don't know, whatever you want to do. But I will say this, you mentioned something else that's a great point. And that is how soccer, you may think that it's not a big deal, that these kinds of things don't happen or that they don't regulate the way they should. Oh, have you seen video of Messi? Every move he makes, there's a security guard on the sideline. If he goes to shoot a goal, that security guard might as well have gotten an assist for the goal because he's right there. (laughs) And if Messi's defending... He might as well be the, you know, he might as well be a fourth defender on the line or the fifth defender because he's right there. When a goal, when the game, the last match was over, before literally the double zeros hit, that security guard was trotting on that. You were, you're not going to get next to Lionel Messi. I do understand that, you know, maybe Messi and Acuna Jr. are not at the same level, but the point I'm making is this. At some point, you're going to have to start to pay attention to the world and how it's shifting and how people feel like they should have access to stars when they really shouldn't and be prepared. Yeah. And be prepared to protect them accordingly, because if you can appreciate what Ronald Acuna Jr. is about, 
then act like it and give him the protection that a superstar deserves. Absolutely. Yeah, nothing else to be said. All right, people, guess what? It is time to talk about FanDuel.com because it episode of ATL Day Once is brought to you by FanDuel. So, yeah, you should definitely take a listen because this is the number one sports book in America, right? Guess what, guys? Get ready because the NFL season is right here. It's right upon us. We're about to get ready to talk about the Falcons. Whew, I don't know. It might be a little sketch going on. But anyway, for new customers, you can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets. That's guaranteed. Yes, guaranteed bonus bets. $200 worth. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So that means you can watch any your team wherever you want. So you can watch the Falcons while you're up in Washington State out here kicking it, you know, going to a game or whatever, or kicking it with Andy Bunker. You can be doing all that stuff too. So yeah, you can go down there to check it out. So now is the best time to join FanDuel because it's, it's easy to use. It's safe. You don't got to worry about anybody getting your information. And you can bet on anything from the money line to the spreads to the over-unders. And they got player props as well. So go and make sure you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. Just remember, guys, FanDuel is the official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL. So we're going to take you guys on a little ride of 985 to Flowery Branch, but not just to Flowery Branch, Jarvis. Let's take them to a specific room on Flowery Branch's campus, right? Yes. Now, and this is, you know what? I love it, Jarvis, because this is really the upper room. It is. It is. Because it is <laughs> yes, the DB room, right? So check this yeah. out. Love these DB names, right? Jesse Bates the third. I'm going to go from one side of the room to the next. You follow me. Jesse Bates the third. Richie mm-hmm. Grant. Jalen mm-hmm. Hawkins. Mm-hmm. DeMarco mm-hmm. Hellams. That's one side mm-hmm. of the room. Feel pretty confident if that's the room. And who knows where Micah Abernathy may or may not, you know, land in that room. Then there's the other side of the room that I feel even more strongly about on some level. A.J. Terrell, Jeff Okuda, D. Mm -hmm. Alford, Mike Hughes, Trey Flowers, Clark Phillips III. Now, granted, we know Okuda, we know Hughes, they're injured right now. We get that, but they're still a part of the room. So then we hear word from NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, and I'm sure there will be other reports as the day goes on. We, of course, are sourcing that as well, that corner Malcolm Butler is on his way to Atlanta today, mm-hmm. and he is to work out with the Falcons tomorrow. Now, could just be an insurance policy because, let's be honest, he hasn't been on the field since 2020. So certainly we you don't really know what Malcolm Butler is or you know who he is still relative to how he was maybe in his heyday with the Patriots. But Jarvis, did that not raise a little eyebrow for you when you saw that maybe – Somebody was hitting Hartsfield Jackson, and then they're going to hit 85 to 95 to have a conversation? You know what? Like, this is the thing that that is uh, just it's comedic to me when it comes to coaches talking about injury timelines in the preseason because let's just be funky. They don't have to give them, <laughs> you know? And if they give you a timeline, they are very nice and they probably really, really like you. And more than likely, it's probably going to be off the record if they do so. So when we hear Je- when I hear Malcolm Butler coming in, I think, okay, Jeff Okuda is not going to be, uh, it's not where he, where we thought he probably would be. You know, I'm not saying that he had a misstep, a misstep or anything like that, yeah. but just saying like more than likely, it's probably going to confirm that, 
we probably may be looking at this dude maybe being out for a week. I mean, a month, excuse me, to, sure. to start yep. the season. Right, and which is what you and I thought that yeah, initially. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think that, you know, versus, you know, the the what else we're really thinking when we initially saw it, because I was out there, I thought this dude might be done for the season. So yeah. uh, uh, four weeks, four to six weeks is probably is probably a blessing at, yeah, at that, this point, especially for, for Jeff Cootie. It's definitely encouraging to see so, but but I I, th- I really feel like this is um this may be a sign that hey this is a room that we thought had all the depth like you just list listened list out listed out as far as with the DBs and the corners like that's a nice room right you know what I'm saying from a, from a talent standpoint a potential standpoint like all mm-hmm. of those things all of those names you named were a very nice name but when you have a name probably that's not going to be out there. That you you expected him to be in Jeff Okuda and a guy that you probably thought was going to come in and at least compete for that nickel spot, mm-hmm. and he's kind kind of banged up. We don't even have really have a timeline on him. Right. So this whole Michael Malcolm Butler's at least workout kind of speaks to me, and especially mm-hmm. the guy he ain't played since twenty twenty played in regular season games yeah. in twenty twenty two. Yeah. This yeah. tells me that I wouldn't say they're desperate. I won't go that far, mm-hmm. but I will say, hey. Some things have gone down that we didn't expect, and we need to have a, a backup plan. <laughs> yeah, because think about it, Jarvis. As we're sitting on the cusp, and Jarvis and I are going to give you all the reaction tomorrow because we know that there are going to be so many moves that are made right up to the 11th hour, right? And we want to give you guys a comprehensive recap of our thoughts on what, how the Falcons got down to 53, right, on the roster. Right, exactly. But Jarvis, yes. as we know it now, it's interesting that you mentioned that because you said, hey, you're working out a guy who hasn't played since 2020, but there's a potential whether you go a Mike Jones or a Tay Davis. It just who? depends on – I know, right? Oh, God. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just, never, it's just no, so natural to you. I'm sorry. Never, never, <laughs> never go. Never go. But, um, yes. you know, whoever they you know kind of decide that, you know, they want to cut, if you will um, – and I'm sorry – um, I'm going. I'm going ahead of myself because I was going to ask you a question about the linebacker core. So let me let me take a step back and go back to the DB room. When you look at that room, right, you're thinking mm-hmm. to yourself, okay, Darren Hall. We'll go like we would say in college. Darren Hall's on the bubble, right? Cornell yeah. Armstrong's on the bubble, Has but be, you right? still got guys in the corner yeah. room. But mm-hmm. you are bringing in Malcolm Butler. So that is interesting. Yeah. Because I think it says to that point that you made that I have Cornell Armstrong potentially if he's one of the ones who, you know, I have Darren Hall and then it's all the other guys that you and I mentioned that we see have the uptick. Like a Clark Phillips the third, we think he has an uptick. A D. Alford continues to have an uptick. A.J. Terrell and Jeff Okuda, those are your starters, no question. But then you go out and get potentially Malcolm Butler. So to me, that raises an eyebrow for me as well to say, hmm, does that mean that maybe we don't quite know where Mike Hughes is or will be um, in his recovery, where uh, Jeff Okuda will be in his recovery and how that might shift the entire corner room such that, okay, Malcolm Butler, we know you can play this position. We know you can play that position. So we're going to go ahead and bring you in because you're more versatile and maybe you can fill in those gaps until we get those guys back. But I thought it was a very interesting move. I still think that, you can still give the Falcons credit for having a deep DB room and a deep corner subset of that room. Of course. But I yeah. think it's interesting 
that there's conversation and commentary around bringing him in. Yeah, and and you know there's some familiarity there um, yes. because Arthur Smith was because, with the Titans when uh, exactly. Malcolm Butler was there. He signed a big free agent deal to come when he left the Patriots. Yes. So I think that, yeah, like this is an insurance policy. I, I really feel like this is an insurance policy. And now, and as as once the cuts come down, we'll we'll find out as to whether or not this is a breaking case of emergency policy. You know? Right? <laughs> we breaking glass on this right now, yeah. or this is right. something like, hey, down the road, you know. So I think we'll we'll get a, a very clear picture tomorrow uh, when we break down or uh, react to that fifty three man roster on the show. Make sure you all check that out. By the way, it's, it's coming. Yeah, you absolutely have to because, hey, look, we're looking and watching with bated breath just like you guys are to see what this roster is going to look like and what Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot, Ryan Nielsen, Dave Ragone, what all of those guys have seen across OTAs, uh, minicamp, training camp, preseason to say, hey, this is the squad that we feel we want to put forth come week one in the bins against the Carolina Panthers. So, yeah, I'm interested to kind of see that as well. And one more thing that we found out about, just a little tidbit, because I thought, okay, that's interesting, because you know how we're always talking about the running back room, and we talk Mm -hmm. about positionless football. So we talk about the receiver room, the running back room, and we just kind of throw the fullbacks in there for kicks and giggles. But, of course, no surprise that the Falcons uh, parted ways uh, this morning. It was announced with uh, Rakovich, right? And so mm-hmm. they're going to keep Keith Smith, the longtime uh, fullback for them. But I thought that was interesting as well, because I was like, OK, you could conceivably keep two fullbacks on the roster or you could take that second spot, theoretically, and maybe you move it elsewhere because you sure have a full tight end room. Just saying. Yeah. because And you have a versatile tight end room, too. Right. Very. Because I, I think that yeah. I've seen some formations. I yes. had flowery branch tea. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, Arthur Smith about to put in some work. Like, yes. as far as yeah. he's gonna throw a lot of stuff at these guys. He's about to have twenty-three personnel. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Because <laughs> yeah. I think that you know a guy like John o. Smith, who's very versatile, yes. he's gonna be moving him around. You might see him appear in the backfield as well. So mm-hmm. I, I think Parker that Parker whom they yeah. I gave the contract, you know, they extended. So they're saying mm-hmm. not that they couldn't cut him, but I'm just saying they're showing confidence. They must have seen something that yeah. they liked yeah. in him. So yeah. I, I, and I think that you know when you come to that running back room and that running back room is is kind of full too, right? It is, like, yeah. You know, so I think that you only can afford to maybe keep one fullback. You can't keep two. You know what I'm saying? When you're looking at how yeah. you know the, the personnel that they have, like in the versatility of it, because. When you have tight ends that you can move all the way around, you got a tight end you can line up at the X, you know, or the Y, whatever, however you want to do it, or the Z. So all of those, you got you got so many guys that can do so many things at that one position group. Some something has to fall. Some somebody has to get you know, you know, hey, like oh, we, we appreciate your services and what you bring to the table, but uh, we got a lot more talent in this group that we have to keep these guys. Versus trying to keep another guy in a, uh, at a position that, you know, people don't even hardly, rarely keep fullbacks around nowadays yeah. anyway. Yeah. So I'm sure Keith Smith is really smiling right now. Oh, God, yeah. I said the same thing. I was like, Keith Smith stays having a job in Flowery Branch. <laughs> like, my and you know, that's your, uh, your brother too now. You know, did I say it right? 
You know that's your bro too, right? Yeah, that's what I just said. My frat brother stays having a job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. But listen, guys, we got more to come. Of course, we're going to talk more Falcons. But we want to hear from you guys. I mean, what are your thoughts about the possibility of Malcolm Butler being added to this roster? Does that give you a little bit of pause on what that means for the rest of the corner room or the DB room overall? Let us know. Every dayers, please let let us know because we appreciate you guys. We appreciate your comments, and so drop those comments in the chat on YouTube. And of course, every dayers, you want to bring more every dayers, so tell all your friends to download ATL Day Ones wherever you get your podcasts. But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down on the show today. It's no different. Um, Coco Golf. You know, she's beloved in, in this here in the city of Atlanta. And, you know, she's one of ours. I know she's from Florida, but, you know, she's one of ours. We claim her. And um, she <laughs> so she was playing in the first round against Laura Siegmenti. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, I don't care um, because, you know, uh, I feel some type of way about it. Anyway, so she was, you know. Yeah, we have a Coco. That's, that's, who, that's who we rock with. You know, we're we, we being up really upfront today. That's just how we rock. I think that when you look at the situation where she was planning, planning uh, the tournament, first round, first round matchup against Laura, Laura uh, wants to take her time, you know, a lot. And Coco was letting it kind of build up, build up, build up, build up until finally, in the last set, she finally said something to the, uh, the chair umpire. And the chair umpire was kind of, you know, all right. Or whatever, you know, and then she finally um, um, violated Laura, and Laura was start complaining and everything, and then even went as far as in the post-game press conference, T, start crying, talking about they were being mean, and they think I'm a bad person, and uh, they're like, no, nobody likes you. I mean, nobody don't, it's not that nobody likes you. Nobody don't know you. Like, they everybody rock with Coco, and she was the show, and you up here taking your sweet behind time. Like, what, what is up with that, T? Like, why? how did she become the victim? Let me, I guess that's my first question. Let's start yeah, there. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, okay. And I'm saying this in the way that I mean it. And I don't mean this for everybody because my girls know who they are. My girls are my girls as far as those who are not persons of color. However, when you Becky something, I'm going to tell you about it. And Laura Siegmund Becky that thing because mm-hmm. listen, we were all watching the match and you were doing it deliberately. Like, I don't know, maybe you are friends with the New York Mets and how they used to try to. You remember last year how <laughs> yeah. it was like increasingly frustrating because they were always trying to wait the Braves out. They would get deep, deep, deep in the count, right? And hit foul mm-hmm. ball after foul ball until they just frustrated the pitcher and then ended up, you know, getting a run or getting on base or what have you. To, but once the Braves figured it, excuse me, once the Braves figured it out, all of a sudden it became a non-factor. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like Lars Sigmund, you went Becky and you went New York Mets and the umpire wasn't buying the whole New York Mets thing. And I hope the world isn't buying the whole Becky thing because Coco Goff had every right to question it. And obviously it was an issue because the umpire ended up calling it a violation. Right. And yes. just like the Braves figured it out and they got a strategy that worked, Coco Goff figured it out and got a strategy and beat you. So take your L like a mature young lady, get back on your grind and get back in the lab and figure out how to beat her next time on the court, not at the microphone. Bye. Get better. Just get better. That's all you got to do. Just get better. 
<laughs> um, I know we didn't uh, talk about this pre-show tea, but I, I think it, it kind of struck me a little bit because, you know, we were talking about, you know, for those of you know, we were talking about, you know, the whole student loan situation. You know? And, you know, like, you know, I don't know if you guys know, I was a full scholarship athlete at Albany State University, you know, Golden Rams. You know, that's how I got down. And I what? was just... <laughs> Well, you know, I was all comfort too, so you might as well just pile on. What's I was all comfort player that. <laughs> so, you know, like, you know, but, you know, as a college student, you know, I went to a D2 school, so we didn't have bags of money being passed out to us, you know what I'm saying? You know, talk to Randy Mac and Michael about all the other stuff. You know, we, we had to figure it out, you know, some days. And we'll talk about how a time where, and this kind of got a, a very interesting response from you about, you know, there was this, Chicken joint. It's called Maryland Fried Chicken. I don't care. You know, it's all good. You know, it's been, it's been a while. They used to have specialty to where you can get a 10-piece chicken, chicken wing. And they had them big, big wings, too, like the big fried joints, like the big boy wings. Okay. And okay. you can get, if you signed up for a credit card with Capital One, you get to pay $2.99 for a 10-piece wing, T. At Maryland's. And I'm just like, that is so predatory. Like, do you understand? Like, every time they did that promotion, I was there. <laughs> took advantage <laughs> of that. You didn't have the campus. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was just so, it's just so crazy, like, how people used to be able to get away with stuff like that back in the day. Yeah. I'm just, man. I was just, and that is why you man, have, right, that is why you have people <laughs> clamoring for any type of student loan relief that they can get. Because yes. it like it, how many people you know went ahead like you said and got those predatory lending credit cards because hey they knew that they could go get that yeah, dollar ninety nine yeah that, that ten money. piece for a buck ninety nine not realizing that in reality it's probably going to cost you twenty seven dollars or fifty four dollars or whatever because it was interest and in some cases compounded interest on yes. that credit card and then yes. don't not pay it within the 30 day window, bam. Don't cancel the car. Don't oh, forget to cancel the car right. like me. So January, you got no card. February, you got a card. March, you got bad credit. I'm just saying. Oh, and we, God. you know, so many people didn't know. And same thing for student loans. How many people took a student loan out thinking, hey, I don't want to live on campus anymore. Or, oh, hey, yeah. I want to get a fly ride. Or, hey, I want to get the, I want to, you know, just look sharp. I'm not getting bags of cash every after every game. So, I know right. I need so they were money. like, you know what I'm saying? I know. I'll take out a student loan. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay it back whenever, you know. Yeah, 20 years later, still, still that, that number ain't barely changed, T. I don't know about you. <laughs> that number's still about the same for me. This weekend, when everybody else is cooking out, I'm going to be sitting at the table <laughs> completing studentaid.gov applications <laughs> because I need relief in my life. The end. But anyway, you guys have heard enough yes. of the debauchery yes. known yes. as ATL Day 1's on a Tuesday. So we're going to wrap this thing up. And we hope that we come back telling you that Uncle Charlie led the way with a dub for the Braves and that the yes. Braves got at the Rockies and let everybody know, don't touch 13. And, of course, we are going to bring you a reaction from the Falcons trim down to the 53-man roster right here tomorrow. So come back. And, and make sure you guys share love, show love. Don't take out And even share love with chicken. Becky, right, Jarvis? I mean, she needs it, too. Yeah, we can spread a little love to her, too. All right, All we'll right. see y'all tomorrow. 